there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, time for Advanced Medicine, everybody. Dr. Rashid Batar is here with us. And bringing a message of uh, healing, liberty, real empowerment uh, each week here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Dr. Vitar, thanks for being with me again. Absolutely, Robert. Always a pleasure. Now, uh, yesterday, I, I know you don't pay attention to this because like, Carolina Panthers weren't in it this year, but the Atlanta Falcons got beat by the uh, New England Patriots uh, yesterday in the Super Bowl. And one of the lead stories is uh, uh, Tom Brady, an orthorexic, won the Super Bowl, right, at 39, which is, like, amazing. At 39, nobody does what he does in, as a quarterback there. But mm-hmm. they claim he's orthorexic because why he eats organic, non-GMO food. He's very, very conscious of what goes into his body. And it's like, wow, we, we should laud that and say, hey, you know, that's pretty impressive. Maybe everybody else should do that, too. Absolutely. In fact, it's a perfect example for uh, those that refute the conventional medical wisdom that as you age, you deteriorate. And there's a perfect example of somebody that is older than the rest of the group. And, uh, in fact, that's one of the things that I, the, one of the few things that I read, that the Falcons are a much younger team and the Patriots were a much older team. And the fact that they came back from such a deficit. So, again, they have experience. But, you know, this is one of the things that I've always said, that age has nothing to do with your ability to function. It's what you've done to your body and how you've treated your body that determines the ability for it to function as well as it may or as well as it may not be, depending on what you've done. Right. Your real age more associated with how toxic you are than how many uh, circles around the sun you've made. Uh, and I exactly. think that's important. You know, granted, there are, there are certain issues with, uh, you know, being on planet Earth that uh, no one gets out of here alive in terms of physicality. Uh, but in reality, what is our what are our vital years? How do we define them? How do we define what is old? And, and of course, uh, you know, the way we've seen aging witnessed in our lifetime, Dr. Batar, many of our elders have died horrible deaths, maybe far too young, based on what we know now today. You're absolutely right. I think that as the prevailing medical wisdom evolves, um, I think it will become a normal stance to take that uh, age is not a factor that is it is taken as it is today. I think that age is a factor when you look at the accumulation of toxicities over so many years, yes. Mm-hmm. Their age does play a factor in there, and age plays a factor in how long have you put bad nutrition or food that is not nutritious into your body. Yes, it will have. That's just accumulation aspect, but it has nothing to do with the actual physicality of the aging process because you can have a person much younger who's been putting bad things in their body and is toxic, and you can take a person that's twice or three times their age who's been taking care of their body, and the person that's been taking care of their body will always outperform the younger person. This is something that, that you know, athletes, you see this in athletes. You see the people that are abusing drugs and that are smokers. They never last as long on the field, professional athletes, as opposed to those that have been taking care of the body, and Brady is a perfect example of that. Well, we, and we look at a guy just – I know you're not, like, super into football and stuff, but a lot of our listeners might be. I just have to say, like, Tony Romo, who was the quarterback for Dallas Cowboys, every time he hit, he seemingly fractures a bone. 
very fragile. And the hits Brady took at 39, most people at 29 couldn't have taken that. He bounces right back up and then wins the game. So uh, nutrition does matter. And I hope this is a, you know, a real message to the, 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 the world that was watching to say, you know what, maybe it matters to me too, right? We, were, we like to make excuses why, well, it's too inconvenient to eat that way. It's, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's an expense issue, any number of excuses, but they always end up being excuses. Uh, and, and, you know, not something that you'd, you'd say, uh, well, I don't want to be a victim of my choices in that sense, but those are choices you're making. That's exactly right. It, it, it all comes down to a choice. And everything in life comes down to a choice. But this is a choice issue that if you make the wrong choice, it's the implications of it will last you, at least in this lifetime, it'll last you, you know, for the rest of your life. And I don't think people really appreciate that until they end up having some type of deficit that they have to deal with. If they can't walk or can't go up hills or they have shortness of breath or they're, then when they start developing these symptoms, then they start thinking. And a lot of times it's too late. I mean, not always is it too late. Yes, you can reverse some of these things, but the time to think about it is before it actually happens because that's why prevention is a key. In fact, one of the most controversial slides in any of my presentations was when I had the key to cancer the solution to cancer, and then you know you click on the next slide and it says prevention, and people say, well, the, you know that's not a solution to cancer. I said that's exactly what it is because cancer is the last warning that a person gets. It's the last knock on your forehead that hey, you're going in the wrong direction and you're mm-hmm. now. This is the last stretch, and if you don't change your your crap now, <laughs> yes. game over. Yeah. So so I think prevention is the key, and prevention starts. At, uh, on the first day on the planet. And this is why it's so important to protect your children from the vaccinations that are introducing other known toxic substances uh, and doing, trying to, under pretense of stimulating the immune system, um, stimulating the immune system that's not even developed yet. And so the cold cascade begins that early now. It didn't start that early 20, 50, 75 years ago. But mm-hmm. as, as we're evolving, supposedly evolving, we're actually regressing when it comes to this key of prevention. And then we start doing things like, you know, in the adolescent years, giving vaccines like the Gardasil, and then children are getting terrible diets with laden with sugar. And so when I hear uh, things like these children from Detroit that had the choice to go to Disney World to come to see us at the uh, Health Expo, yes. and they chose us, and of course, you know, my comment was they need to see a psychiatrist because there was something wrong with these kids. But <laughs> yes. those, those, are the, those are the kids. They are very, very evolved. They're far more evolved than you and I were at that age. I mean, my kids read labels before they eat anything. I mean, right. it's a, you know, I didn't do that. I didn't start doing that till I was in my mid to late 30s. So, and, and you probably, you know, you actually were pushed into the corner much earlier, so you evolved for, faster than I did. But the point is, our future generations, those that are, understand this issue, they are already aware of this. Intuitively, they're aware of this, and they're doing this. Because I haven't taught my kids this. I don't think you've taught your kids this. But they're seeing us, they're hearing us, and they're making that change for themselves. And that's where the key is, that we as parents, as adults, have the responsibility to set the right example for the younger ones coming behind us. Because they're our future, and they're going to determine how the human race continues to evolve. So, so yeah, so correct. You're right. And the if is there because, you know, we have the freedom to make the choice to destroy ourselves. And, you know, granted, there are things that we don't have total control over, like what you put into your mouth. There's some degree of control there. You put the fork in or whatever it is you put your hand. What is it holding? What is it uh, got on it? Uh, you know, and, and the opportunity we're giving our kids is that we're allowing them to learn from their own bodies, the cellular communication 
that to some degree we were denied early on because I was raised pharmaceutically, so every communication that the cells were saying and screaming was met with a, basically a, uh, a, a big old blanket to stuff out the noise so I wouldn't hear the cells, which is, you know, the drug suppression. Uh, yet, you know, the opportunity for some to say, well, I, you know, why should, we, why should we allow suffering to occur, right? I just talked to someone today, you'll love this one, a lady called me, and she, she wanted to know if she could use the silver for her child's 11-year-old's immune system. My daughter's 11. I was like, yeah, of course. And then she says, but does it conflict with Tylenol? And I said, you know, I just wanted to squeeze, squeeze her and go, or shake her and go, why did you use Tylenol? Well, she had a fever. I was like, what doctor are you seeing that says, how, well, okay, what was her fever? Well, she was about a 101. Are you kidding me? You know, and so I have to go through and explain that the fever is a is a very powerful and important tool that God gave us and our bodies to overcome these things. And we get stronger because of it, not weaker. And that that isn't even close to what is considered a dangerous fever that you'd have to intervene in any way, shape or form anyway. So it was like our own bodies, our own the parents out there. And I was one of them before I became a parent. I had to learn this, but wouldn't have known that the fever is important and you don't want to squash it. Exactly. And that's, again, the misinformation that's fed out there. I think that if people were aware of how the body was naturally designed to respond to a potential threat, like an infection or something with the fever, um, and at a certain point, it does become critical because sometimes the, the normal cascade of how the body's working, you know, things can go a little bit uh, awry. And if your fever gets above 104 and a half, you know, it starts approaching the 105, then there is very significant potential for protein denaturing and you can cause or induce uh, brain damage and other types of things. And so for that purpose, uh, then you have to bring the fever down. But that is so rare. I mean, it's true. Almost and the, like, way, the way it's presented is though any fever could do that, which of course is silly, but that's where it's, you know, the exaggeration exactly. of the danger, right? This is what we exactly. always hear. So, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Because the body has its own regulatory mechanisms. And if that does happen, if a fever goes that high, I would, venture that it's some other drug that the person's on that's causing a disruption of their normal balance system and creating this Such a um, yeah it's, it's throwing off the thermostat so the body's the body's natural uh, mechanisms to slow down the fever or shut down the fever or decrease the fever are not intact so i don't know what the incidence is but i would say it's very very rare maybe sure. one in fifty thousand cases where a fever will go over 104.5 most fevers will get up to 102 103 mm-hmm. you know you may kind of flirt with 104 but it, it the body doesn't go up higher than that and of course the patient will feel bad because when you you know there's a fight going on your immune system's fighting uh, whatever the um, whatever the pathogen is or whatever the uh, haptin is or antigen is that it's recognizing as foreign and so of course the body's going to per- you're going to perceive that as being as not feeling good you're going right. to be achy right. and and you know nauseated whatever the case is but that's the natural response the body's fighting i mean just like if you were in a war and you were in a fight, you wouldn't be feeling good. So this is an internal war. Yeah, you may be sitting and relaxed in the bed, but it's still a fight going on. So people have to understand what's going on when you have a fever. That's why you feel bad. You don't run to the Tylenol cabinet and take Tylenol because now you're putting further burden on the liver, et cetera, et cetera. So it's education. That's what it yes. comes down. That's one reason I, for a long time I've always said that, the, um, that, that people, once they become empowered with knowledge, they can no longer be a victim. And that's what's happening. People become victims of the misinformation, and then they end up, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to, I need to start the chemo radiation right now because my doctor told me if I don't, I'm going to blow up like a time bomb. It's, you know, mm-hmm. And this is misinformation. This is all fear motivation, and this is where I think our 
role, Robert, being yes. in this radio show now. We're in our seventh year, isn't it, this week? That's right. We're kicking into our seventh year now, Dr. Batar. You've been week? with me since the beginning. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, very, very exciting. It's like, and we still haven't run out of things to say. <laughs> no, no. We, and sometimes it may be redundant because we yeah. say the same things over and over again, but the, we see people asking those type of questions. Sure. The, the themes are the same. So this role that I have with you and that we're doing together every yep. Monday and, and well, now in our seventh year is empowering, and yes, that's why is. I enjoy it so much. And occasionally we run out of time and have to take a commercial break, like right now. So we'll be right back, folks. RobertScottBell.com will link you all as well to DrBatar.com. Check it out. We'll be right back. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Loving where the discussion is going here on Advanced Medicine each and every week. You can always, uh, well, miss a show. I mean, I don't want you to miss a show. But if you do, guess what? You can go back to MedicalRewind.com, the easiest place to get hundreds and hundreds of hours of Advanced Medicine together, RSB and Dr. Rashid Bittar, which is awesome. Uh, Continuing now, though. We ended up talking about fever, and of course, we talked about the toxicity. The skeptics out there can't get their their puny little brains wrapped around this idea of detoxification. They think that's a kind of a, a bogus thing. But I don't even want to give that energy except to say that I wonder how they figure we can deal with all the toxic pollutants coming in just from the air alone. We talked earlier already about things we have control over, like food choices. But what about breathing the air? I mean, they say if you live in Los Angeles or these, you know, in a bowl with all the exhaust and everything, you're you're smoking a pack a day equivalent. So a research uh, study now is strengthening our understanding of what you know all so well with these toxins and heavy metals. Cognitive decline simply by being exposed to airborne pollutants over time, increasing risk of Alzheimer's. So, again, this could be a moment of duh. Any type of toxicity is going to shut down the system from working at to its – or decrease the ability of the body to work the way it's supposed to, but certainly reduce and have the potential for shutting down the system the way it was designed to work. That means in any aspect of how that system is designed to work, whether it's walking or talking or thinking, whatever it is, there are implications. And what determines how that – toxicity will be manifested and how it'll damage the body that's where the genetic predispositions come in that's where the biological individuality comes in these are the unique aspects of how the toxins match your chemistry or or, uh, impede your chemistry as opposed to somebody else's chemistry so um i want to digress from this just for one second there robert to go back to the first portion that you said about the skeptics that Mm -hmm. can't wrap their i think you said your exact words were puny little minds around the concept (laughs) of toxicity um just to paraphrase what you said, right? Yes. I think that was an exact quote. But anyway, <laughs> I, I think that it's not their puny little minds that they can't wrap around this. Mm-hmm. I think that it is impossible for anybody that lives in today's society to be ignorant of this fact. So it's impossible. People may, be, people may not be aware, but to say that they can't wrap their minds around it, I think that that is possibly us being naive i think that they are very well they are acutely aware of how important this is and they are on purpose directing uh, in a a different direction they're misdirecting they're causing a distraction and trying to divert people's attention from the truth 
because they have a higher agenda. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, we thought, at least I used to think it was power and money. Now I think it's more sinister. Yes. But again, I don't think that, I think it, we give them too much credit by saying that they can't wrap their puny minds. You must be aware of your opponent and their ability. And I believe that they are very well aware the research they know it and they have these people have been orchestrated and positioned in a place to obstruct the progression sure. of knowledge yeah you're right and it, it, it violates their tenets or dogma in their church the church of pharmaceutical mysticism uh granted you know they it, the best way to be uh someone who's efficient at lying is peppering truths in there so they'll say That's right they'll say Oh, this is a silly argument because you're designed to detoxify. You have a liver, you have skin, right? So there's no disagreement there. But the question is about burden. Can you, you know, become too toxic? There's something called auto intoxication. But what about the toxins coming from, like this study shows, from external sources, not ingested like food? And how does that impact on neurology? And they're saying, yes, indeed, it's it's linked to early onset dementia and Alzheimer's. And so what do we say then? You can't wrap, you're right, you can't wrap your puny brains around that. No, you don't want to wrap whatever brains you have around the agenda that it doesn't fit with. That's right. That's exactly what it is. They, in fact, have wrapped their minds around it, and now they are going to do everything in their power to direct people in the, in the opposite direction, to misdirect them. And, you know, when you talk about air, the quality of air, what is the most significant and the most detrimental way of getting exposure to mercury? Uh, inhalation, is it not? It is. That yeah. is exactly right. Combustion of fossil fuels all over the world, constantly occurring. You know, the exhaust pipe, exhaust fumes of even unleaded gasoline, the highest fumes that come out are mercury, lead, and cadmium. Even though it's unleaded, there's yes. still a lot of lead. It's like, it's like compared to mercury-free mercury. vaccines still have mercury in them. Unleaded exactly. gasoline still has lead in it. No big surprise exactly. there. Hey, listen, let's take a quick break here. We'll come back. We also have a comment of the day, a question of the day for Dr. Batar and I. We'll, ha- we'll uh, see where that takes us, but great discussion here. And remember, folks, you're breathing all of the time. It doesn't stop. If it does, you're not here anymore. So you got to be cautious for what's in the air. But I know a lot of it you don't have control over. That's why we say take preventive measures. It makes a difference what you choose to eat, what you choose to drink. You have control over that. We'll be right back. The Robert Scott Bell world to the power of radio it's the robert scott bell show all right as you can see thematically what this has come on what uh, how do we control our destiny recognizing we don't have control over everything in our world and our you know it's much bigger than any one of us we are exposed to things but at a certain point you realize hey maybe it's better to take control over the the aspects of life we have control over like Tom Brady. Again, I come back to the football analogy. At 39, he's chosen to make better choices for his family about issues of to- related to toxicity, environmental toxicity, food, etc. And look how it's paying dividends for him. Can it pay, pay that for you? Or are you one of those folks, probably not if you're listening to this show, that says, oh, well, you got to die of something anyway. Why even try? Right? That's very low on the survival scale. We're probably not talking to folks like that, Dr. Patar. No, I think you're absolutely right. We're not talking about to people like that, but I think this is where it becomes important that the public understands that 
all components when you're dealing with issues of you know what is true, what is not true. All truths go through these three phases, which we've talked about before on the show. The first one is ridicule, which has you know this type of medicine has always been minimized by referring to it as quackery or charlatan medicine or snake oil or whatever. And then it goes to the second phase, which is violent opposition, which has been taking place more recently over the last five, ten years. You see a lot of the doctors that have been um, mysteriously um, dispatched, and they all seem to be doctors that are out-of-the-box thinkers and uh, innovators in their fields. And uh, then there's, of course, other violent opposition with the medical boards going after doctors for their philosophies and the FDA going after natural supplements, etc. So that violent opposition has been going on. And I think we're getting close to the end of that because now it's the third phase, which is always having accepted it as the truth. I think 10, 15 years ago, that argument that you made that they would say, well, we know that the body's uh, liver is designed to detoxify, but, you know, it's not that much of an issue. The body's already designed to do that. I think 10, 15 years ago, they would have not said that. I think that 10, 15 years ago, remember the diagnosis of fibromyalgia and and chronic fatigue, which are now considered mainstream, and they have drugs for that. Before, it was considered a psychiatric illness, and people were told to, you know, um, they, they were mentally yes. ill and they needed to be put on antidepressants and psychotropic drugs. Isn't that so, the irony, though? I mean, a, a, a disease, if you will, or ailment diagnosis only becomes real when there is a drug that they can prescribe for it. Exactly, exactly. And so that's that acceptance of always having to know, be known the truth, because 15 years ago they would say, no, there's no such disease. Now, oh, of course there is. Here's a drug for it. So if you're aware, as, as a person that is trying to find the truth, if you are aware of how these phases of truth occur, then you already have a roadmap as to, as to what's happening. You can say, okay, well, we're obviously in the second phase. We're obviously in the third phase. And this became so abundantly clear to me, Robert, when I was fighting the medical board, the last big battle that started in 2005 and that you know went to court in 2007 and finally ended in 2010 with the the last phase of it ending the same weekend. I don't know whether you remember this, but the same weekend that I got the uh, you and I both got lifetime achievement awards uh, at the Truth of Can- about Cancer. That yes. same weekend is when the whole battle ended, which was 2015. It took ten years from 2005 to 2015. Wow! But but that entire uh, rigmarole, that entire cascade of all those events that took place, if you look at how the the thought process was for the medical board and for the quack busters and how they were um, committing this character assassination on my clinic and on myself on the internet, it became so evident that people that are aware saw right through it. They right. saw right through the agenda because I had uh, you know, people jumping on and, and condemning and attacking and this and that all over and over, just hundreds of people. And then came to find out that one of my patients who was a security analyst for Microsoft hacked in to see where these na- emails were coming. They were, all were coming from 12 different people. All these multiple hundreds of comments were actually just 12 people, all members of Quackbusters. Mm-hmm. And and what was interesting was when somebody would oppose it, the beauty of how uh, th- there was one particular comment, and I'll just tell you, because this shows how when people are involved, there was an attorney, he was a malpractice attorney. He said, um, I don't know who this Dr. Buttar character is, but I just went in and looked at the physician's data bank to see how many times he's been sued for malpractice. And he goes, what was remarkable is I've, he has no entry after 20-some years of practicing medicine in the physician's data bank. So um, I've represented uh, doctors that have left instruments and patients and cut off the wrong extremities for the last 40-some years. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't know who this is, and I don't know what he's claim, what they're claiming he's done. But him being persecuted this aggressively 
uh, the, the exact words were, for him to have released the hounds of hell upon himself, he must have done something right. Yes. And so yes. that's how people are becoming, more people are becoming aware of it. They understand yes. that, okay, if somebody's attacking like this, and all the cancer patients that came to me during that time, I would tell them, I didn't have any obligation to, but I told them, I want you to be aware that I've been brought up on charges of ethical breach of conduct by the medical board for treating cancer patients. And every single patient, the 38 or 48 patients that I had in that, in that two and a half year period of the intense medical board fight, Every one of those patients, with the exception of one, every single one said, I know, Dr. Batara, that's why we came to you. Because we figured that, that if they're attacking you that yes. viciously, you're doing something right. right. And the one that didn't know it said to me, I don't give a shit what they say. Oops, I'm sorry. Me to edit okay. that out. I don't give a crap what they say. I don't trust the government. And, and as far as I'm concerned, if that's what they're saying, I'm at the right place. So people are becoming aware. They know yeah. not to trust the mainstream media. They know not to trust the mainstream journals yeah. that are coming out yeah. there because they know that if those were the truths, then we wouldn't have the problems that we have today. That's right. Well, and that's why we, we enjoy so much hearing from our uh, love, lovable and humble, loyal listeners, and uh, and they, they contribute to the show greatly. In fact, we've got a comment of the day coming in right now. Uh, let's see. We could play a theme song for this that Super Don has done. Hey! Hey, I tell you what. Hey, here's an idea. Ow. Hey, listen up, everybody. Excuse me. All right, this comment of the day comes all the way from the UK, the United Kingdom. Dr. Batar says, Dear Robert, I just wanted to say how grateful I am to you and Dr. Rashid Batar, and they spelled your name right, by the way, for answering <laughs> my question on the, on the show. Not only does the RSV show spread information on health across the globe, but you also take the time to answer personal questions that hopefully many more people can also benefit from. Thank you once again from a very grateful listener from the UK. I mean, that's it. Like I said, we, we can't prescribe officially on the air. That's not what we're doing. But when we ask, answer these questions, I realize that if one person asks them, there's thousands of others suffering right. a similar issue. And so if we can give some principles and guidelines and say, you know, this is what you can do, that gives people hope, real hope, not false hope. But there is no such thing as false hope. That's the irony there, too, of course. That, that's right. That's what I was accused of by the medical board, of giving false hope. So yep. said, well, if it's hope, then by definition, it can't be false. Exactly. So. Yeah, with but that, before you, before yeah, go, you ahead. go on, I just want to say, like, when, when get, we get a message like this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what you experienced, but I always experience a very – specific emotion and that is an emotion of being humbled that somebody and some other part of the world is actually not only just listening to us i mean you know sometimes i think it's just you and me talking to each other <laughs> yes. and sometimes i don't even know whether we're recording or not because you know you're telling me that <laughs> we're on the air you you sometimes yeah. can't hear like that if if they're not sending you from gcn the music you don't know what's going on i know exactly <laughs> exactly so it, it's really humbling to know that mm-hmm. people it's impacting people and also that you know, when a person from Australia, if a patient, I had a patient in the office and from Australia, and they said, you know, Doctor, a couple of weeks ago on the radio, you said such and such, and I stopped and I said, on the radio? He goes, yeah, you know, on, on the, when you do your advanced medicine with Robert Scott Bell. And I just was, I sat there for a second like, wow, you guys listen to that down in Australia? And, and so since then, you know, I've realized that everywhere, everywhere I've gone, people know the radio show, which is amazing. Yeah, and the thing is, I, we don't know whether they're listening live like you hear us for the first time or whether they're downloading the archive shortly thereafter, a day after, a week after, a year after. As you know, there are years of this stuff available. So sometimes, folks, and I'll say this, please be specific if it's a recent show, according to the date you're asking, versus something you heard from five years ago. We might not remember what we said, although we know it'll be good. <laughs> so 
So, let, let's go to the question of the day. I'm not going to play the theme song. I want to dive right into this. This one's uh, from Gina. She says, hello, Robert and Dr. Batar. I have chronic fatigue syndrome after being on a diet like AIP. I don't know what that is. I can't. I haven't looked that up. AIP. I was feeling better slowly, but with some supplements, I've been struggling with this for 12 years now. And one month ago, my body crashed again. I was taking a lot of probiotics to repair the antibiotics I had to take for bacteria and candida overgrowth. Had very loose stools after starting to take the probiotics. You know what's interesting about this, and this is why I talk about probiotics not being sufficient. They're great, but if you're if you're putting them in a battlefield that has been strewn with dead bodies or is a desert that used to be a rainforest, you can't expect the critters to live there. You've got to restore their home, which is why we talk about how to heal the gut as well. Uh, so I think that's an important perspective here. It's not just throwing stuff in your body. You've got to understand if the structure has been so corrupted, how do we rebuild the structure? That's absolutely right. And the AIP diet stands for autoimmune protocol. I think uh, I'm not familiar with all the details of it, but it is a diet that actually um, is designed it's like an elimination type diet. And okay. um, from what I've heard patients tell me that have been on it when, before they came to us, it's very restrictive. Um, I have a problem when it comes to strict diet issues. The diet, I think that having a good, clean diet is a key. But then when you yeah. start restricting certain things in diet, that is actually an indication of a uh, issue, an underlying issue with the function and structure of the body, not necessarily with said. the food. Because, yeah. yeah so, so we have to figure out what, why is the body not able to process that particular thing. And, and right. you know, there's a... There's no doubt that, again, it goes back to what we talked about last week, Robert, that if your body's having an intolerance to a certain thing, yeah, it's a blessing because it's telling you that, that there's a reason that you can't tolerate it, and so it's giving you an early warning. Sure. And many of the things that people are intolerant to are not clean things, or they're high in sugar anyway. And so it's actually forcing us to eliminate some of those things. Yeah, cl- so, classic case, of course, we've talked about it many times, pasteurized milk, even organic, yes, not optimal. Exactly. And, and people that can't tolerate it, you introduce them to real cow milk from the cow raw and suddenly they're like wow i can drink this my body says this is good so it isn't and the, yeah it, it, the most important part about that raw milk is it's it's the way that the creator designed it it's mm. not when we took our knowledge and said okay we need to pasteurize it homogenize it yes. uh, irradiate it do this to it <laughs> do that to it color it and blah, take the fat out refortify it i mean it's mm-hmm. amazing. It doesn't even. It's not even milk anymore. It's not. Yeah, exactly. And that's the point of synthetic food is not food. Is the point here? That's why we look to do these things uh, the correct way, right? Clean up what goes into your body. And if you're still not doing well, look at the function and the structure. How do we repair it? Restore it. She says she went into some ionized water. She's starting the silver, but she hasn't done the aloe yet because I talk about driving it in there to heal. You know, epithelial lining of the gut. Uh, so she's just early on in there, but she's worried about her reaction because she has some mucus production, a sore throat. You know, and I'm often telling people like this that have chronic fatigue, they have such congestion within their elimination pathways that even if you give them the right stuff, if it's too much too soon, their bodies can't handle the debris field from a successful immune intervention. That's exactly right. This is what we call the Herxheimer's response, and so we have everybody's going to respond to it a little bit differently. Oop, stand by. On that note, Herxheimer response, we got to take a break. I apologize. It got away from me. We'll be back to wrap it up with Dr. Rajah Batar. More on this question of the day after this. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Bell Show. Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. 
So, Dr. Batar, anytime you say a really big word like Herxheimer, we have to go to commercial break just to catch our breath. Right. Well, you know, you know from the homeopathic principles how important understanding the the principle of Herxheimer's is because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes when a person starts to have an adverse effect, uh, it's not the adverse effect that they're experiencing; it's the mobilization of that toxicity or the elimination of that offending substance that causes the person to experience this mm-hmm. what they perceive as an adverse effect. So right. I always equate it to. If a man has been walking bent over for the last 70 years and he's 90 years old and you come along and you anatomically correct him by straightening him up, yes, you've straightened him up, but his body's going to perceive that change as very painful. And that, that pain that we're talking about is a Herxheimer's type response because the body's adjusting to the proper setting and, and all the mobilization of the, of the garbage is causing them to have these types of symptoms. So this is actually sure. a, what we call a healing crisis as well. And so... Um, I believe that many times when, like with this lady's mucus production and some of these other things that she's talking about, this is a commonality when we see with an effective detoxification. My only concern mm-hmm. when a person's going through this, Robert, is that all the pathways cannot be opened up effectively. And I, I mean, I'm hoping that one day I'll find something, but I have found that all the pathways can't be opened up effectively unless you, uh, without us being able to get in with certain things. For example, the persistent organic pollutants. The only thing that I've found to really, really work for that is the ozone autohemotherapy that helps to break down the persistent organic pollutants into smaller components so the body can eliminate them, um, and infrared sauna. Those are the only two effective things to really do that. All these other products and everything, they just don't work. Same thing with heavy metals. Unless you have a chelator that can go in transdermally or intravenously, it just doesn't work. The absorption orally is less than 5% for EDTA and maybe 30% for uh, DMPS. So it's not an effective method of eliminating those toxicities. So those pathways are, are compromised. Think of it as a wrench in the engine that's not allowing those pathways to work. So when you start getting some pathways going and the other pathways that are needed or necessary to compensate and help to adjust, they're not opened up. You can't create a potential problem. So I think that that's one reason a person needs a healthcare provider that's experienced and knows which things can I do right. without certain interventions and, and you know to be guided through the process. Sure. And we, well, listen, we look to empower folks to do it themselves wherever possible. And there are times where I agree, you, you got to have your hand held a little bit. And it, you know, in in especially with certain interventions in extreme cases, when we talk about heavy metal introduction via vaccines or other environmental sources, and that burden is so high. Uh, it's just not simple. I, you know, I believe the world is round. You'll get there, but it'll take a long time with a lot of concerted effort. And it, you might not be functional along the way. So what do you do? So there are ways to accelerate that. So Gina's concerns are real. We're not belittling them at all. In fact, I'm glad you're paying attention to them. So just go as slow as you or as fast as you feel comfortable with. And when you hit that point, you realize I've got to back off until I can get those systems open up or seek a doctor that can help me facilitate those pathways to open up and bind and excrete more efficiently. Yeah, and I think that, you know, if you look at acupunctures, uh, the acupuncture philosophy and acupuncturists understand this, especially the restriction to getting the energy to flow. Um, it doesn't have to be a medical doctor. In fact, sometimes mm-hmm. you'd be better off not going to a medical doctor. Um, you need to go to somebody that understands these principles. It's, it's a regardless of what their uh, training is or what their degree is. It's more whether they understand Correct. what's going on. And most important thing is allow your resonation to guide you. So meaning if the doc, if you feel comfortable with that doctor, yeah. then 
then it's going to be good. Right. Now, a couple of articles here we're not going to have time to get to, including about uh, hydrofluorosilicic, uh, I can't say it, acid, but basically flora, phosphate mining, fluoride, uh, another huge contaminant uh, in the environment, atmosphere, and water. Uh, also, uh, China is promoting traditional medicine to combat immune deficiencies. That's good news. But this is interesting. You mentioned HPV earlier, you know, the convincing of you know parents to get their kids vaccinated for the human papillomavirus. And there's a Japanese watchdog group uh, that is, you know, wide open on the communication about how dangerous this shot is. And that also can contribute to things like chronic fatigue syndrome later in life or even earlier in life. Yeah, if you're lucky, it'll do chronic fatigue. If you're not lucky, it's going to cause a lot worse than chronic fatigue. It's going to kill you. And, and there are many cases of that, that, that that's, that's happened. happened it, yeah. It'll debilitate a person to the point of not being able to function at all. So, yeah, chronic fatigue is probably one of the milder components. But, yes, you're absolutely right, Robert, that this is it, it, the cascade, the attack, the assault on children. You know, it wasn't enough to start changing vaccine schedules to the first day on the planet. And it's almost like, okay, if your child has, for some miraculous reason, been able to survive and tolerate some of these other vaccines, let's hit them again when they're around oh. 10, 12 years old. Listen, we're out of time. Dr. Vitar, another great advanced medicine segments with you. Uh, everybody check it out, medicalrewind.com, robertscottbell.com, and we'll be back next week. In the meantime, tell them what they need to know. That the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show.